through to Madrid to the Champions League final. Leicester's very own fantastic Mr. Fox. Everybody and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 12 of our 2019-20 show, and uh, yeah, we're back again. And Josh is gone again, but we're sending him all of our love and best wishes, um, as usual. Uh, Recent Ethan are back though. Gents, how are we doing? Good. How are you? I am excellent uh, because we have Otman with us tonight, uh, joining us from California. Otman, how you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for asking. Excellent. Okay. Um, so we're going to get started talking about some European football from the midweek. Uh, and this is the first time, I think, ever someone said that uh, all English teams involved uh, won their games. All seven oh, uh. English teams that are participating have won their fixtures. So, yeah, uh, the first game, or one of two games that took place, was uh, Spurs... Uh, winning a match, which is shocking to everyone I know. Um, <laughs> a 5-0 scoreline against uh, Red Star at home. Uh, and it was a good performance. It was a solid performance from the team. And Pochettino introduced some new tactics, which going forward I think are going to be the uh, the way forward for Spurs. Um, this We'll talk about this a little bit more in the Liverpool game. But... Um, it's sort of a 4-3-3 in attack and a flat 4-5-1 in defense. Uh, so, yeah, good to see. Obviously good to see a clean sheet uh, for the defense. And, uh, yeah, overall a good performance for Spurs in a time where we haven't seen too many of those. So, yeah, moving on. All right, so Manchester City played at Atlanta, and they pounced on them 5-1 with a Sterling hat trick. And an Aguero brace. And Phil Foden getting sent off in this game as well. Yeah, not one you would think would get sent off. Yeah, interesting uh, bit of a topic there. But yeah, pretty routine, I think, for City at home against a side that's struggling in Serie A this season. So, yeah. Alrighty. So, next, Chelsea um, getting a 1 0 win against Ajax away. I don't know. Did did anybody watch this game? I watched a little bit of it. Um, it was on in the dining hall actually while I was eating, so I got to oh. watch a little bit of it. And um, yeah, Chelsea actually played pr- pretty well. Their um, defensive coverage is looking a lot better under Lampard than it was um, previously. Batshuayi with an 86 minute winner, uh, as I'm sure Ethan will oh, be I did see that. aligned to hear. Um, the big event in this game was that super close offside check against the Ajax player. Yes. I who it was, but there was that. There's probably a couple centimeters, honestly, how close that VAR check was. But they had a goal disallowed, so that was sort of controversial. Yeah, VAR getting involved again there. Obviously, I feel for Ajax and their uh, millimeter offside decision. <laughs> um, so yeah. Good win for Chelsea. Most importantly, I think a clean sheet, which will booster the morale, booster bolster the morale of the defense, especially. And uh, yeah, I think overall a good result for Lampard. Really, 
So moving on. All right, next on the list we have Gank versus Liverpool. It was a pretty expected victory for Liverpool, um, 4-1 to them. Uh, one of the big changes in this game was the fact that Jurgen Klopp finally started the midfield that many fans have been asking for, and that is Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So that sort of more attacking midfield was proved to be very effective in the race that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scored. So that was a beautiful goal as well. Talk about. Very, very nice. I swear to God, if Messi scored that, people would be talking about it for weeks. But. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. probably true. Um, Reese, were you yeah, going to say something pretty, there? <laughs> pretty I was just win. saying his name. Oh, okay. <laughs> I missed him. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see him back from his horrific injury from the Champions League last season. So, hope to see more of him going forward. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool almost get, got the clean sheet consolation goal for um, someone <laughs> in the, in the um, 88th minute. Yeah, S- Stephen O'Day uh, with the 88th minute consolation there. So, yeah. Um, I mean, they celebrated this goal pretty well. I think scoring against the European champions at home is always a uh, feat to be celebrated. So. Yeah, I think overall good performance for Liverpool and, like Ivan said, pretty res- uh, expected result, I think. Um, moving on to the Europa League, United with a much-changed side coming into this game in Belgrade, uh, playing Partizan, and they got a 1-0 win. They got the job done after an, uh, returning from injury, Anthony Martial scored a penalty um, to put them up 1-0 over Belgrade, and that's how it stayed. Um, so... Yeah, good result, I think, for Man U. They've had a bit of a torrid time in the Europa League this season, but, um, yeah, so I, th- I think this will they'll be pleased by this result overall. All right, so Wolves played Slovan Bratislava, and uh, making sure I pronounced that right. Yeah. But, um, Wolves beat them 2-1, coming through Roman Saiz and Raul Jimenez. And uh, Jota getting sent off in that one as well. So Yeah, late red card for him. Um, Bratislava, Slovan Bratislava, the Slovakian champions of last season, actually took the lead um, in the 11th minute through Sporar. Um, not that that's oh, yes. exactly significant player. to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Top gunman. Um, but Wolves, uh, they've picked up uh their second win of the group stage which is good to see for them because they've uh started with an opening day loss to Braga uh but they now sit uh second in group K uh which will be good to see for them Besiktas notably with zero points at the bottom of that group um so not the best start for the Turkish side but Wolves will be looking to progress to the next stage and you think probably they will do um as long as there's no total collapse in the second part of the group games. So, moving on to a good result, I think, for Arsenal, right, Reese? Yeah, so, um, Arsenal winning 3-2 against Vitoria, and honestly, we did not play very well in this game, but in a way, I think this probably benefited, benefited us in the long run, because um, not only did Pepe score two goals, he scored the equalizer and the winner as a substitute. I mean that's just huge for his confidence, and I think it. I think it showed. Obviously, he didn't. He didn't score in the in the Palace game, but he did get an assist, and he was just 
generally playing really well. So I, I think this is going to be really good for his confidence. I think his role as a set-piece specialist is in, ever-increasing. I think it's it was very evident yeah. in this game. And mm-hmm. in the Palace game as well, I think some of his corner deliveries were very good. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, notably, I think from my perspective, Marcus Edwards, Spurs Academy reject, getting on the board early for Vittoria. Um, for, for a moment, the stat was going around that Marcus Edwards had as many goals uh, at the Emirates as Nicolas Pepe. And, and, then, then he, and then he scored two. He proceeded to end that as soon as it started. So, yeah, two two uh, bluting free kicks. Yeah, very different angles too. Yeah, so it wasn't as though, yeah. I don't know what I was going to say, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I started and then just stopped. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think that rounds out what was altogether a very English-dominated weekend in the European leagues. Um, so, yeah, some Premier League action took place over the weekend, and really there's no other place to start, I think, than this game. All right, so let's start off this Premier League preview with one of the most symbolic performances in Premier League history, Southampton versus Leicester City, ended up 9-0 in favor of Leicester. Two hat-tricks scored on the day from Jamie Vardy and Ayose Perez, with some heroics of James Madison sprinkled in there. What do we think about this? This was just absolutely horrible from Southampton's point of view. Yeah, I think I think really they just gave up in the end, because, I mean, it, it's obviously disheartening to lose by this much. Leicester were playing amazing, and by the I mean by the time like probably the fourth goal went in because they were so quick. Probably mm-hmm. by the time it was four 0 they just stopped playing. Well, for one thing, I think to start this game was obviously an unpleasant affair for both sets of players. I think because of how like horrible the weather was, um, it was absolute torrential downpour. Uh, and so the game starts, and uh, Leicester get a counterattack early and. Ben Chilwell puts it in the back of the net. Um, and then VAR actually comes back into the buildup of that goal and determines that Ryan Bertrand had a t- uh, sliding challenge that was deemed red cardable by VAR. Um, so Southampton, as the commentator put it, were a goal down and a man down in the same sequence. Uh, so Maybe this- I didn't watch the replay enough, but at first, I mean... Originally, I didn't really think it was a red card. I think we've seen these given a lot, in, especially in the past two seasons. Essentially, any time a studs-up challenge is had, um, and if it's at any sort of pace, the referee generally will give a red card. Um, and I think that's just a case of what happened here. And so it was unfortunate for um, Southampton in this regard, but they ended up being 5-0 down at halftime. Yeah, um, I will tell you this result was um, immense for my fantasy team, <laughs> as it was for many. Um, yeah, who had Leicester players. Yeah, this is um, a record in English top flight history for an away victory. Uh, no team has ever won by eight on the road, let alone nine. So, shattering the record there and equaling the biggest win in uh, English top flight history as well. Um, Manchester United's 9-0 win over Ipswich, which was uh, at home. Um, So, an interesting stat, by the way, for you, involving 
father and son goalkeeper duos. Casper uh, Schmeichel and Peter Schmeichel become the only two goalkeepers who have uh, seen their team score nine and kept a clean sheet. Um, and Angus and Brian Gunn have now been the only t- father and son duo who have both conceded eight or more goals in one game. <laughs> so wait, his dad quiz material was on Ipswich. No, but his dad was on the receiving end of an eight-one defeat. Um, so I mean, that's still funny. They've that's conceded funny. eight or more goals. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a strange stat there, but yeah, I mean. Hasenhutl, do we think he'll be gone? I don't know that this was his fault, really. Yeah, I don't. I've yeah, heard I don't that the board's going to continue to back him, honestly. I, think I, I the course of that. agree with that decision, I think. I, they've yeah. been so much better since he's come in. The um, players just gave up in this game. The, the right. scoreline was very flattering to Leicester. Not that they... I mean, they played amazing, but it really shouldn't have been that high. Right. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, go said ahead. that he takes all responsibility, but I don't think that's quite fair. That's just him deflecting blame from his players because truly that his players are really at fault for what happened there. Yeah, and, uh, well, to, I mean, to be fair, his signings have performed relatively well. I think their best player this season in Musa Genepo has been injured for the past couple of games, uh, which hasn't helped. Um, also, I saw a thing on Twitter that, Southampton's players donated all of their wages from this game to ch- uh, to charity, and yeah. yeah, yeah, which is a class move, I think, uh, and it shows that they do care. Um, it shows the fans, I think, particularly that they are, you know, disappointed in this. St. Mary's was empty by halftime, pretty much, um, with regard or with exception um, of the Leicester fans, obviously, who made the trip. Um, but yeah, really, just hats off to Leicester and. Southampton might be in real trouble here if they don't get things sorted out. So, yeah, moving on to a game that we normally wouldn't review in depth, but this game was so action-packed, I feel, I felt it was worth taking a, an extensive look at. Brighton 3-2 victors over Everton on the weekend. Um, and, well, I mean, so much to talk about in this game, I feel. Um, Reese, did you watch, have you seen this game in its entirety? Yeah. Yeah, I watched this one. Yeah, so what do you think about the VAR decision, uh, the penalty given to Brighton in the 83rd minute? Uh, well, now I've just forgotten what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> the ball was played over the top to uh, Callum Connolly, and uh, it was either Lewis Dunk or Shane Duffy. I, can't, I think it was Shane Duffy. Um, was going up for the header, and as he landed, he sort of stood on Callum Connolly. Um, and the referee just gave it as like a, not a dive, not a foul sort of thing, but VAR came back and, uh, awarded the penalty, uh, posthumously, I suppose, with regard to the play. Um, I definitely think it was, I mean, it's soft and it's obviously accidental, but, um, I don't know. It's tough. That's so tough. I do think it is a foul. I mean, the ref or the commentators were discussing the fact that it was, accidental but honestly i don't know that it matters yeah think, it doesn't really matter like duffy it's was just, yeah it just makes it tough it does yeah it yeah. tough break for brighton certainly uh or tough break for everton rather and then another wait i've just said that shane duffy tackled callum Connolly. what am i on about it was michael Keane. um yeah no brighton's players weren't tackling each other in the box um, <laughs> <laughs> imagine if they got a penalty for. Them. 
I mean, the way VAR has intervened this season, shambolic. Um, and then another tough break for Everton comes as uh, Luca Dina, who has arguably been their only bright spot in what has been a dire season. Oh, dearie me. Um, <laughs> um, what has been a shocking season, I should say. Um, Dina sliding across to attempt to clear the cross out and puts it squarely in the back of his own net in the 94th minute. I think uh, just unfortunate because in this play, Dina does have to deal with the ball. Um, yeah, yeah, because there was a guy behind. Yeah, Glenn Murray was preparing to put it in the open net, so Dina had to do something, and unfortunately that something was score on himself. Um, <laughs> so two tough breaks for uh, Everton in this game, but Brighton will take this win in stride. Um, a team, by the way, who have recovered from their poor form and are looking quite right, I think, going uh, coming back from the international break. Um, so, yeah, not... Um, not too bad for Brighton. Obviously, they suffered heartbreak at the hands of Aston Villa um, last weekend, and they've got Norwich next weekend, which I think will be a good fixture for them uh, to get their feet under them. So, yeah, let's move on. All right, so Chelsea have beaten Burnley 4-2, and uh, let me find the Premier League at. Oh, Pulisic scored his Captain hat America, trick. baby. Yeah. The perfect hat trick. Perfect hat trick. And then another goal from William prevails over Burnley with from a strike of Jay Rodriguez and Dwight McNeil. No. Jay Rodriguez with a Kraken strike as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing more than consolation. Though for a few minutes it did look as though Burnley were going to give them a run for this because um, they scored two in quick succession and then um, sort of looked like looked dangerous going forward but couldn't apply the finishing touch. Um. Issues, I think, for Chelsea defensively still. Obviously, being 4-0 up, it doesn't matter too, too much, but Lampard certainly won't be happy with this, um, conceding two late on. So, Abman, what is your take on Chelsea this season? I'm curious, just as far as tactically and um, how they're shaping up so far under Lampard. Well, they've been a super mixed bag. I know that they haven't really committed to starting Pulisic until very recently. Um, so a lot of fans have been very question, uh, questioning of Lampard and his decision making as far as that goes. But I've, from what I've seen, it's actually super impressive that so many of their youngsters are coming through and performing in the way that they are, putting in very mature performances from people like Tamori and Mason Mount. And you have people like Kovacic and Jorginho coming into form as well. So I think it's all lining up to go pretty well in the coming weeks for Chelsea, honestly. Yeah, I would agree. I think notably in Chelsea's defense, Fikayo Tomori, since he's come in uh, to the starting lineup, Chelsea have not lost a game. Um, So, yeah, big impact at the back, I suppose, for a young center back, which will do wonders for his confidence. And Chelsea really look, I mean, the future is bright for them and for the English national side as well because so many of these young talents are English. We got to see a bit of Reese James in this game, and I thought he was excellent. Um, Yeah. I thought he he did really well. He had a double block. Yeah. at 4-0 up, which I thought was very, very good, putting his body on the line uh, for the club. And, uh, yeah, I think overall, Lampard continues to amaze, and really he's been out of the limelight, I think. People haven't exactly been talking too much about him, uh, which I think has helped him immensely because he's out of the media spotlight. Um, so good good results for Chelsea, and Burnley continue to perform well, I think. The four 
4-0 uh, scoreline was a bit flattering for Chelsea at the time that it happened. Uh, because, notably, Chelsea's XG in this game was uh, not 0.85. Uh, so their chances that they were scoring were extremely clinical. Um, Pulisic, by the way, with the backwards header, <laughs> which yeah. is one that you don't see too often. Um, and scoring from a couple of tied angles as well. Um, yeah, he, he really played great. It's really good to see. Yeah, so good stuff for Chelsea. And Burnley, I think, do have positives to take away from this game. Uh, so not too too bad of a result, I don't think, for them. Um, so controversially so, moving on to a painful fixture, I think, for Reese. Yeah. So it's it's Arsenal 2-2 Palace. Uh, Ethan, you can go first, and then I'll ramble on. Well, um, Arsenal come through with the first two goals through uh, the center-back pairing of Socrates and Luis. Um I think we just fell asleep at the corners and didn't handle them well, and they were able to capitalize. And uh, I think we did good to come back and get those two goals and to tie it. And uh, it's unfortunate for Arsenal because um, that VAR decision was interesting, to say the least. But um, So really, Arsenal should have won, but the way the performance went, I feel like a draw is a fair result, but missed three points for Arsenal. Also, the uh, intervention on the part of uh, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, he was tackled in the box. Um, the referee gave it as a dive. Yellow carded Zaha. Um, VAR came back and decided it was a penalty. The referee rescinded the yellow card and apologized to Wilfred Zaha, which I think is the first time I've seen that, um, which is good to see, I think. Uh, the ref taking responsibility and accepting the blame and uh, moving on. So, yeah, that was to equalize, or not to equalize, that was to pull one back at 2-1, but... Yeah, Reese, let's hear your thoughts on this one because I know you're chomping at the bit to uh, get on VAR. Yeah, yeah. so uh, first VAR call, definitely correct. Uh, I was very surprised when... At first, I didn't really see it clearly, so I just saw that they gave it as a dive, and I was like, oh, nice. And then and then when they showed the replay, I was like, there's no way that's going to be... That, that's going to be a penalty. Like, there's no way they're not going to overturn it. So I wasn't too upset with that, and I mean, Zaha is a very tricky player, and he always wins a penalty against us, so uh, I just felt it was coming. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start with some of the positives from Arsenal. Uh, I thought, uh, I mean, despite giving away the penalty, Chambers uh, and Socrates did a pretty good job um, keeping Zaha quiet. That was really the only thing he did in the game, to be honest. He wasn't getting a whole lot of help. Um, and then he had a moment of brilliance and trickery in the box but uh yeah um tyranny had a pretty good debut uh every oh, right most of the most of the crosses he had looked dangerous and um he definitely looked very fit in this game so it's good to see um Ganduzi continues to be a baller he had a pass to uh Aubameyang that i really wish Aubameyang had, had a better touch because it was amazing oh the one from the corner flag yes <laughs> My yeah. God. Um, gosh, what else? I guess, oh, oh, Pepe. Yeah, like we were talking earlier, looks very good as that Sepia specialist. His his crosses were the reason we scored from the corners. Obviously, Palace looked a little strange in one of them. The first one, Socrates, they just kind of let him shoot. Second one, uh, great delivery, looked like something off the training ground, the, the flick onto the back post. But, yeah, there was a couple more that we looked like we could have scored from, and 
uh, Pepe was was doing bits. Um, what else? What else is good before I move on to the mini bad? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll move on to the goal that was disallowed now. Um, yeah, so we had a goal disallowed in the uh, 80th-ish minute, I think it was. Uh, Socrates getting the goal, but it was um, disallowed for a foul by Callum Chambers, which I don't think I, I don't know. I I don't it was, know. It was very bizarre. I did not think it was a foul at all in the first place, and actually, I mean, you could argue that it was a foul on Chambers. I'm not saying that it definitely was, but the fact that there's an argument there, I, I don't know how they can say that it was clear and obvious. I just, I just don't see it. I actually agree. I mean, like the first, the, at, upon first viewing, I immediately thought, I thought oh, it was a penalty. Chambers, yeah, I was like, Chambers has been fouled there. Um, Obviously, I didn't see this was happening at the same time as the Spurs match, so I didn't actually get to see this live. But uh, when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, you know, they must have had a penalty or something like that." But no, um, yeah, both players sort of fell in opposite directions at the same time. It was very, it was a very bizarre play, I thought, and even more bizarre for VAR to claim that that falls above the clear and obvious bar, which yeah, has been so high this season. Um, so, I think if anything, they have to let the ref go to the monitor and look because it's there. That's not in the Premier League this season, actually. No, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Just, they never do it. Is it Cause, seriously? Cause, yeah, because the commentators were really confused about it as well and then the camera like panned to the monitor and the, the commentators were talking about like they didn't understand why the ref wasn't given uh, the permission to go look at the monitor in this situation. I, see, I didn't even know that. I thought that was excluded from VAR's implementation in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't get it. But yeah, very unfortunate in that end. Um, yeah, I have other thoughts about the game. What about? Oh yeah, Jaka. So Jaka getting subbed off um, and getting originally cheered at, not because uh, he played well, but because we were cheering because he was being subbed, which. That's just terrible. You shouldn't do that to your players. Um, then he proceeds to to like beckon to the fans because he's getting annoyed by it. Uh, tells him to to mug off. That's the censored version. <laughs> to do one. Yeah. Um, then we all. I say we all. I was not participating. I was very um, angry. I was sick. Is what I texted y'all. But I did. I was I was feeling uneasy about it. Like I didn't like this. We st- they started booing him. Um, he came off, uh, ripped his jersey off, and walked straight down the tunnel. Um, and for the most part, I'm on Jaka's side here. We we cannot boo our. our that's just not good. And we've also abused him online. Uh, abused his wife online in the past. Um, so I think. I think any other player, the the reaction is merited. But the other hand, when you are, he is our captain, and you can't act like that in response. Like when you are the captain, you just have to take it and then try and come back later. Because there's no way the fans will be on his side anymore. There's just no way. Yeah, like he's not going to get any support after that, and it, it's going to be very hard for him to captain the side. I've been one who's been quick to criticize Jaka in the past, um, but I don't know. I mean, upon 
initially my reaction was largely on the side of your captain can't act like that. Um, but upon learning the uh, depth of the situation, I suppose, I definitely understand his reaction and feel for him as a player. A similar thing happened I saw on Twitter with Emmanuel Abue, um, yeah. which I think, uh, yeah, was just a similar vein. Obviously, Abue wasn't the captain at the time, but um, actually he may have been. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so just not nice to see, I think, from the fans, but also not nice to see Jaka react in the way that he did. Um, but, yeah, we won't linger too long yeah. on that because it's an unpleasant topic, I think. Yeah. Um, the last thoughts I have, uh, I talked about it a little bit with the guys, but I think I'm officially on the Emery out um, wagon. I think um, my my thought process with this is uh, there's two more games until the next international break. If he doesn't show signs of changing tactics, because the tactics is what's wrong. We're just playing way too defensive. If he doesn't show signs of changing and we don't get results from these two games, he needs to be. He needs to go, and we need to either find uh, a replacement or let uh, Yumberg take over temporarily, unless he does really well, and then he can get the permanent. But yeah, that's that's what I'm feeling about that right now. So. All right, Abman, do you have any thoughts on uh, Arsenal's current situation and how they've uh, shaped up under Emery? Yeah, I think they're certainly underperforming for where they should be as a club in the top six solidly. But um, I've heard there's a lot of controversy and uh, argument around whether Emery just needs more time or more funds or more players and whatnot. But I think they... Honestly, I just kind of think Emery's out of his depth. Um, I wanted him to do well. Well, not really, but... Like, he, should, he should be doing better as, as an Arsenal manager, especially when yeah. he's given an $80 million dollar pound player yeah yeah I just don't think I don't know I mean I, I don't think that we should have been booing Jaka and stuff but I don't think he should be starting in the first place I don't think he should have been given the captaincy although that was voted on so I can get over that um, I don't understand why we refuse to play Torreira and when we do play him we play at a number 10 um, there's just so many poor choices tactically that I don't understand so yeah. All right. Moving on to a relegation six pointer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, uh, the big six clash this week was Liverpool versus Spurs. Ended up being two for Liverpool, one for Spurs. Harry Kane scoring in the first 50 seconds because our midfield and defense just kind of switched off for a second. Uh, only for the equalizer to be scored by Henderson in the second half. And then, an unfortunate, but I think fair penalty, given the game story. Oh, 100%. He pulled back, and then Salah scored back. So, I think we thoroughly outperformed Spurs in the day. Scoreline probably flatters Spurs, because the guys in the get decide to turn into fine night one Um <laughs> So, overall, I'm happy with the result, though. Uh, Fabinho was an absolute monster that game. Yeah. Definitely the man of the match for me. Um, it was fun to watch. Yeah, make no mistake, I think Spurs definitely were battered um, by Liverpool. But I think Pochettino knew that coming in and did set up pretty adequately to hit Liverpool on the counterattack, which we did, obviously, in the first minute. 
uh, because Liverpool had sort of attacked from the very first sort of 10 seconds, um, and Spurs sort of turned it around and came up the wing and attacked. Sort, I mean, you say that the midfield switched off. I think, really, it was just an unfortunate sequence for Liverpool. Um, the sort of deflection off Matip's face and then off the post and straight to Harry Kane. Um, Matip Gaz- wasn't playing, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Gazaniga, I think, for me, was still man of the match, despite conceding two, uh, because he had some... This is the second most 100%. saves um, since De Gea, De Gea against us. And uh, most saves by any keeper this season in one match. Mm-hmm. It was like twelve, right? Yeah, I think I think yeah, twelve by the end of the match. Um, some of them were absolute world class. The the one that I was impressed by the most that I don't think has gotten too much attention was the one, uh, the in swinging ball from Alexander Arnold that Van Dyke headed. A um, mm-hmm. bit of a bullet header, and Gazaniga got up to it and got a fingertip on it. Um, yeah. Very good. That was a very good save. Excellent save. Um, Shame for his sake that Spurs weren't able to uh, contribute better at the at the uh, other end of the pitch. Son missing an open net chance, um, hitting the bar. Granted, it was from a difficult angle, but I think a player of his quality definitely should be putting that in. Um, and I think at 2-0, I don't think the game was done at that point, but I do think it would have been far more comfortable for Spurs to hold on, uh, particularly with the form that Gazaniga was in. Um, Liverpool also scored, what, three minutes after that happened uh, through Henderson. So I think you could argue that that probably doesn't happen if Sun scores. Mm-hmm. So disappointing from my perspective, certainly in that regard. Um, we saw, again, that 4-3-3 in attack, flat 4-5-1 in defense from Pochettino, which I really like. Um, I think it utilizes Spurs' midfield options to the best of their abilities. Um... Yeah, do you have any final thoughts on Liverpool Upman? Because I am going to deconstruct the Spurs performance yet again. Um, yeah, so speaking of the midfield, Jordan Henderson has kind of fallen out of form in the recent few games. Uh, he's, at the end of last season, he sort of thrived in that more advanced box-to-box position once Fabinho got settled as a lone uh, six. But recently, Jordan Henderson has been playing pretty poorly. He dropped probably a 2 out of 10 performance in the first half, and if it weren't for his equalizer in the second half, I'd probably say he was one of the worst players on the pitch, but there's a lot of debate among the fan base about whether what kind of midfield would you start, whether it's Fabinho, Wijnaldum, uh, Keita, which many people are wanting for the midfield going forward, or whether it should be Fabinho, Wijnaldum, and Oxlade-Chamberlain, so there's a lot of options there. So that's sort of where the main dynamism, dynamism will be with Liverpool going forward. Which one do you think you would prefer? Probably Fabinho has to start. That's a non-negotiable. Fabinho <laughs> is the best midfielder and probably one of the best players this season so far. Uh, so he's uh, he's a shoe-in. And I'd, out of the other two, I'd probably take Wijnaldum just because he's so integral to how Klopp plays. The way he can shield the ball and keep it in the midfield is probably second to none in the world, mm, honestly. I agree. And for my third, I'd probably have to go with Oxlade-Chamberlain, because he can make those piercing runs going forward, um, but he also will drop back and collect the ball from the deeper positions, and I think he offers more dynamism in the in attack compared to Keita. So yeah, I think I agree with that as well. Keita, I mean, he's a good player, but he, he is a little bit... Uh, he is definitely more similar to uh, Wijnaldum than he is to Oxlade. I think, 
so I I think it's tough to choose him over Oxlade in that regard. But yeah, yeah. I definitely I could see that being a really really um, what am I trying to say? Influential influential. I don't know. Strong midfield. Strong's not the word I want, but that's what I'm choosing. <laughs> I, I agree. I think I'm still unconvinced by Navicata as a Premier League midfielder. Um, he certainly has quality. I just don't know if he sort of fits the Premier League. Um, obviously, we haven't seen a huge amount of him, so we may not, or I may not have a, a, a good value judgment on, on his quality there, but I think I agree. I think Oxlade, especially after he seeing. He was one of our best players against Genk. So, Kata or Oxley? Kata. Okay, yeah, fair. I, to be fair, I didn't watch the game, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Spurs. Um, I think, again, a key to take away from this game is how desperately we need to replace our fullbacks. Um, because in the modern game, fullback is quickly becoming, or wingback even, is quickly becoming the most important position on the pitch. Um, as far as how the Premier League is structured now and how fast the counterattack um, can hit and how dangerous those crosses are coming in from Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. It was very clear. Um, Serge Aurier didn't play terribly on the day, uh, but certainly it's just obvious to see how far outclassed he is by Alexander-Arnold, um, who I think... Is is in the top three players in the Premier League at the moment, um, in my opinion. I like he's having a stunning season, and I think he offers so much from a position that traditionally we we wouldn't think of as being a player who can offer as much as he does. So um, he's definitely the best right back in the in the league. I think I would say in the world, <laughs> honestly. I think I don't think many can challenge him. Who does he even have competing with him for the world? Uh, no like, one. Kimmich maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Alves. But he's is the one that's brought up mainly with uh, yeah. Trent, so. I'd say, but isn't he playing more in the midfield this season? So he's just gone back and forth. I think with Bayern's injury concerns. Um, yeah. So I think Kimmich is like the only one that's even comparable. Serginio Dest. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Contribute or uh, just uh, what did he? Uh, c- um, what is he's the word I'm looking now. for? Captied or committed to the U.S. Good grief. <laughs> Um, yeah, so good to see. Sorry, go ahead, Amin. Yeah, I think uh, it was either key passes or chances created. I think Trent even outclasses Kevin De Bruyne currently. So it's clear that he's a super, super strong attacking force. But, I mean, we always knew that, but he's just getting better and better. Those deep crosses are just near impossible to defend. Um, and especially with how much or how bombastic Liverpool's attack is going forward. Um, well, not that their attack would be going backwards, but <laughs> um, obviously Mane, Salah, and Firmino offering so much up front. Um, but yeah, back to Spurs quickly, I think. Already needs to go. Danny Rose, I mean, Danny Rose had a shocker in this game. I think he was sp- the worst player on the pitch uh, from either side. I-, I would honestly give his performance a 0 out of 10. I thought he contributed absolutely nothing. Um and I am genuinely confused about how Ben Davis cannot get a game at the moment because while I don't think Davis is quite up to the standard that we would prefer, he's definitely better than Danny Rose um, and just signed a long-term contract with the club, so I feel he deserves a chance um, to get involved there. 
Um, I really appreciated the tactics from Pochettino in this game, but like I said, I don't understand why Tange and Dombele hasn't started. He created more chances, I think, in this game, um, coming on as a substitute than any other Spurs player, which is just both damning of Spurs and also says a lot about Ndombele. I think he had a few gorgeous passes um, that amounted to nothing in the end, but definitely exciting to see, I think. Lo made his, like, cameo, I suppose. Oh, that's another thing. Pochettino left the changes far too late in this game. Um, leaving Something you've had a gripe with in the past. Yeah, I really thought it was getting better, um, but I, I was, like begging Pochettino to bring on Lucas around the 60th minute, and he just would not. Um, Deli Ali is out of his depth um, continually. His goal last uh, last week will paper over the cracks of what really have been two abysmal performances from Deli Ali. I just don't see what he, he offers. Frank, exactly. I mean, I, I just don't see what he offers to Spurs. Uh, he he takes the ball in his stride and gives possession away. I think that is that is generally how possession goes when Spurs have it and uh, get it to Deli Alley. So Christian Eriksen was absent in this game. Zero key passes, um, which is just shocking, really. Um, I think the sooner the sooner we relegate him to the bench and move him on, the better. I think he's. Don't get me wrong, Eriksen's a class player, but his heart's just not in it. I think and Loselzo really needs to get that chance to bet in as his replacement. And honestly, I, who's to say whether he can do it or not because he hasn't played. Um, so, yeah, Sessegnon hopefully <laughs> begging Pochettino to start starting him at um, left back. I don't know. I just don't know what the answer is with the Spurs team. Uh, Ndombele and Lacelso and Sessegnon all need to start. I think Sissoko... His days as a starting midfielder are probably or should be numbered. Dele Alli should consider himself lucky to still be uh, in and amongst the playing squad. And Serge Aurier, frankly, can mug off. Um, and Danny Rose, frankly, can mug off as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Gazaniga showing that he is capable as a replacement, which is one of the positives to take. I'm just... I still think he's better than I think he's better than Lloris. I I do too, to be honest. I mean, and notably, I don't have a heart attack every time that the balls pass back to him, uh, which is it's an excellent feeling. It is, <laughs> um, as I'm sure mirrors probably burnt Leno and Petr Cech. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Spurs. There are positives to take away from this. I think we finally have the formation figured out. At least a question that I've been asking much of this team. Um, in the past couple of weeks, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do about I this. I think season. y'all's next game is going to be really crucial because I think y'all could get a big win here, and I think it's going to be huge for your confidence. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Obviously, we'll take a look at it um, as we uh, continue on. But, yeah, that's my thoughts, I think, on Spurs. I am going to frantically edit the fact that I've said Norwich have won three one over Manchester United. Um, <laughs> they have not. It was the... like I don't remember being that happy over the weekend. <laughs> um, it was actually the opposite. United getting a three one result over Norwich. Um, 
missing two penalties in the process as well. Uh, or, well, Cruel saving them, I suppose. Uh, one from Rashford and one from Cruel. No. One from Rashford and one from Martial. Cruel saved the penalty on himself. <laughs> um, one from Rashford and one from Martial. But yeah, United still picking up the results. Um, under Solskjaer. Rashford and Martial linking up really well in this game. Yeah, I think United will be very glad to see uh, Martial back in and amongst things. Um, I've completely forgotten who scored in this game. It was uh, Martial oh. and Rashford and McTominay. Oh, uh, that McTominay goal was Manchester United's 2,000th Premier League goal as well. Um, they're the first club to reach that milestone, and uh, Scott McTominay is not exactly the player you'd expect to be having that. But, yeah, I think good to see, I suppose, if you're a United fan. And no one else really cares. So, <laughs> uh, Hernandez pulling one back for Norwich. Um, but Norwich really defensively, they are in trouble, aren't they? I think um, the goals have dried up and their defense has looked woeful. So After every week, it's looking more and more likely that Ethan actually was spot on in this prediction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hats off to you, Ethan. Um, yeah, I think... They could be. They didn't make many signings in the summer, so I think they could be looking at a January strengthening, hopefully for their, for their sake. But yeah, really, I think they might be doomed to get relegated once again. So, yeah, Ethan, take it away. The highlight of the week. All right. So, I didn't pick up a specific highlight. Just the overall highlight is Leicester being able to put nine goals on Southampton. Yeah. I mean, that's just hard to argue undeniably. with that. Yeah. Very, very hard to argue with that. So if I had to pick a specific goal, I would say uh, Perez's volley into the top of the net, oh. I guess. Yeah. It's an excellent goal. Yeah. But just the overall performance they put forward is just magnificent. If Crystal Palace ever did that, I'd probably be naked. <laughs> But, um, but uh, who's to say I wasn't in the Arsenal game? So that's my highlight of the week. All right, then. Is you being naked or Lester being 9 0 up? Maybe both. Depends on who's. Uh, Ethan being your... naked is my highlight of the week. Yeah. That's for you to Depends decide. Depends on who's asking, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to stop dropping my pen and I'm going to move on to the quiz. Um,. Are we skipping over the uh, the brief mention? Uh, no. <laughs> <We're not. laughs> I was I was definitely confused. Uh, <laughs> okay, City three 0 winners over Villa. Routine result. Watford with a board draw nil nil against Bournemouth. Bournemouth fans haven't seen a goal from either club in two games. <laughs> um, West Ham picking up a one one draw with Sheffield United, who continue their run of good form. And Newcastle picking up a one-run result for Wolves, which I think will leave Wolves disappointed in this match. So, uh, yeah, thanks for saving my blushes there. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll quickly move on to the quiz, as I was saying. Reese, I think we'll have a nice time with this quiz. Um, oh, as, yeah. as it is Arsenal-themed. Um, last week, Fitting with all the drama. Indeed. Uh, last week we looked at signings made after the retiree of retiree, retiring of Sir Alex Ferguson. This is sort of a flip side. 
This is Arsene Wenger's last 20 Premier League first team signings. Oh. So, um, I will tell you this goes all the way back to 2014. Um, okay. So. That would have been Alexis Sanchez, right? Alexis Sanchez was one of them, yes, but there were two before him on this list. Um, okay. Uh, quickly, Ozil. yeah, Ozil was actually the first one on the list. Um, and nine of these players are still at the club. Uh, Eleven are not. So, yeah. Mustafi. Mustafi. And Ethan and Ahmed, obviously, you guys are free to contribute. This is not purely <laughs> for reason. <laughs> Lucas Perez. Yeah, Lucas Perez. Jamie said Jaka. Uh, yes, I did. Sorry. All right. Rob Holding. Yes. Mavropanos. Uh, yes, his third to last signing. Nice manager. Takuma Asano. <laughs> yes. Um, indeed. Um. Oh, some interesting ones on this list, you know. When the heck did Petr Cech sign? It was Petr Cech. Um, uh, he signed, yeah, he was middle of the road. He's the 11th player on my list. Coughlin. So, uh, Coughlin was actually just misses out. He was uh, the last player, or the first player on that I didn't, or the 21st player on the list, if that makes sense. But good Aubameyang job. and Lacazette. Aubameyang was his last signing and Lacazette as well. Not his last signing, obviously, but yeah. Um, gosh, Kalasinac isn't one of them, is it? Right? Sorry, Ottman. Chesney. Chesney uh, was not. He was uh, considerably before Kalasinac. By the way, was signed by uh, Emery. He was. Yeah. No, wait. No, he wasn't. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let's see, let's see. Uh... He played for Wenger. <laughs> Wait. June 6th, 2017. Am I having a shocker? Or transfer market's having a shocker, at least, because that's where I got the stats from. Uh... Maybe I'm having a stroke. No. I swear, it's... I swear Class Nash was there for a You're season. You're right. With... Transfer market is at a shocker. They have left uh, Kolasinac off this list. Well, maybe he's up there because they agreed that Kolasinac would come in the summer. Well, but it was Wenger's last summer, though. Yeah. Reese is right. I don't know. Like, he played sure. a, I thought he played a season with Wenger. Uh, he did. So, yeah. okay, fair enough. Um, transfer Mark just had a shocker. And I've had a shocker for not realizing... <laughs> so Gosh. you've named let's see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 11 you've named 11 uh, there's 9 left obviously most of them are not as recent uh, El Nenny yes oh yeah shares a birthday with you he does and Ozil shares a birthday with you <laughs> yeah was uh, Mkhitaryan Wenger too? Who? Mkhitaryan. Yeah, he would oh, be. Oh, Mkhitaryan, yeah. He was uh, Wenger's second to last signing. I always forget about Mkhitaryan. 
Okay, so you've gotten the the last 11. Now you're missing 12 through uh, 19. Well, you've got Sanchez. <laughs> so. Who's the goalkeeper that's not Chesney, but also was second choice? Yes. Wait, what? Who's the goalkeeper that's not Chesney, but he's always second choice? No. No. Uh, oh, Ospina. Ospina. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about Ospina. It was David Ospina. Yeah, okay, so... Let's see. Do we want hints or no? Um, yes. Okay. Two of these players were uh, left the club this summer. Uh, one of them on a, a money transfer and one of them on a free deal. One of them... Uh, Jenkinson? Uh, no, Jenkinson was at Arsenal for far longer. Oh, yeah. He was from our academy, wasn't he? Yeah. No, no, no. Wait. No, he came from Nottingham, I think. No, yeah, he went to yeah. Nottingham. Wait. I think he might have come from Nottingham, too. I'm looking. Frantically. Um, one of them went to the championship, and one of them went to another Premier League side. Uh, oh, oh, he Welbeck. came from Charlton. Yes, Danny Welbeck. Um, I have no idea who the went championship. Yeah, it went under the radar. You were talking about him, Reese, uh, after the U twenty one Euros or U twenty or whichever it was. Oh, Bielik. Yes, Christian Bielik. Uh He was signed from a Polish club by Wenger, and then sold obviously this summer. Um, I don't know actually if he counts as first team, but transfer market has him listed. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. One of these, the second to earliest, or the second earliest signing on this list, um, was a loan deal that was very strange, um, and only saw this player make three league appearances. And Dennis Suarez. It no, well, Dennis Suarez was, was Emery. That was Emery. But it was very Dennis Suarez esque. Um, in fact, it's even a meme, like uh, pointless loan signings. No. No. <laughs> oh, oh, we signed him because we to fix an injury, and yep. he was injured. Yes, and he was oh injured during the medical. And now pointless loan signings are called this. I literally just saw this on Twitter because of like him. Today. Oh my god! He's a Swedish player. His name Kellstrom. is Kellstrom. Yes, Kim Kellstrom. They've, they've, uh, yeah. So they say like a kill, uh, uh, <laughs> a Kim Kellstrom signing is like a, a pointless loan signing. Um, okay, three left. Uh, one of them still plays for Arsenal. Is it, uh, did we say Lacazette? Uh, yes, we did say yeah, Lacazette. Uh, he still plays for Arsenal, though I think the misconception is that he came from Arsenal's academy, but he actually came from Southampton. Um, another of the players, uh, uh famously turned in a shocking performance in a North London derby, um, He's a center back who never learned how to speak English in his, his time. Um, I think was like famously his criticism. Um, and then he still I'm, plays? No, no, no. This player was sold. Oh, Gab Gabriel. Yes, Gabriel. Um, and he was the one that never learned how to speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chambers? Other, yes, Callum Chambers. Came from Southampton. He's not from our academy? <laughs> exactly. He was signed from Southampton by Arsene Wenger in 2015. Oh. <laughs> I know. I also thought he was from the academy, but alas. Okay, finally, a player who just recently officially left Arsenal. I'm going to check and see when that was. 
Um, but he spent several seasons on loan, I think. He left in the summer of 2018. Um, and he's been mentioned in quite a few of our uh, quizzes. He has two caps. No, he has 27 caps for France and two goals. Um, Debucci. Yes, Mathieu Debucci. And that rounds out the quiz, except that it doesn't, because I have a bonus question. Um, who are the two players who have been signed by both Jurgen Klopp and Arsene Wenger? Aubameyang. Yes. Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, Yes, Mkhitaryan. Ethan just coming in, beating Reese at the buzzer, um, even though it probably didn't sound like it from Reese's end. (laughs) Um, It's at the same time for me, Ah. but I'll give it to Ethan, (laughs) because I can't prove anything. (laughs) Neither can I, to be fair. I don't know how big the delay is on either of your sides. Um, So yeah, a bit of an interesting quiz there, hopefully. Hopefully, I know Reese certainly enjoyed that. Um, Yeah. But... Debushi was our number two. <laughs> he was. Sharon <laughs> um, yeah. Gibbs was our number three. Some real shockers on this list, I think. Um, uh, Kelstrom, notably Lucas Perez, Takuma Asano. All a bit shocking. I wish we had played Perez more, because he looked good, but... He's, he looked good. Um, where is no, he Lucas doesn't, Perez, he doesn't, anyway? He's at West Ham now. No, I think he I left. Think. I think he's in... Oh, no, he's back Maluka, at wherever right? he came from. Uh, no, he... Is well, it like Villarreal or something? It was, he's now at Deportivo Alaves. So, I think that's where we got him from. No, you signed him from Deportivo La Coruña. So, he came from Deportivo La Coruña, then he came to Arsenal. Actually, let me go back. <laughs> this is interesting. Um, so he started uh, in Spain, had a youth career, all this. Then he ended up at PAOK in Greece. Uh, then he went on loan to Deportivo La Coruña. Then he made that loan permanent. Then he signed for Arsenal. Then was loaned back to Deportivo La Coruña after one season. Then he signed permanently for West Ham, who then sold him to Deportivo Alaves. So. <laughs> he also has one cap for the unrecognized Galician national team. Fun fact. <laughs> wow. Which is an un- uh, a province of Spain who apparently have a national team that is unrecognized, much like Catalonia and Basque, I think. So, moving on to the Predictor League. We are updating this week. Um, the predictions were in the description last week as we made the change. They will be there again. Um, Ottman also has sent in his predictions, so the guest table will be updated as well. Current standings, Ethan had an excellent week, 12 points. Um with two, <laughs> with two perfect results, um, and currently sits firmly top of the table with 25 points. Um, I had a decent <laughs> week. <laughs> Ethan is going to be nude again, it seems. Um, Doing it right now. I had a... Oh, dear. I had a... <laughs> I also had a good week uh, with nine points. Um, and I sit in second with 22 points. Reese had a bit of a shocking time. Uh, with four points uh, and no perfect results. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm feeling sits... good about this next week. I'm feeling good. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and now sits joint third in 18th, um, and he's tied with Guest, <laughs> who's also <laughs> on 18. Um, and Josh is bringing up the rear again <laughs> with 17. 
Um, he also he submitted his predictions last week and has also submitted them this week. Um, so hopefully he will be turning his form around. Um, but rather excitingly, we've got a bonus round this week. Uh, and this question is going to be sort of a season-long one, I suppose, or at least until uh, this event occurs. Uh, and the bonus round is, which Premier League manager do you think will be sacked next? Um, and uh, if you get this correct, uh, you get two points added on uh, to your cumulative total, which could be a, uh, a real boon, I suppose, by the end of the season. So, I'm going to start with Reese. And who have you gone with? Marco Silva. Oh, I've also gone with Marco Silva, in fact. Um, so, we could both split uh, the points if that does happen. Well, we won't split them, Ooh. but we'll both get two. Um, Ethan, who have you gone with? Um, I'm not sure if this is his name or not, but it's the Norwich manager, Daniel Farke. Is yes, that right? Yes, Daniel Farke. Okay. Um, and Ottman, who have you gone with? Uh, I'll have to go with Marco Silva, too. Okay. Um, Josh has turned in a bit of a shocker. <laughs> who do you, Reese, who do you think Josh has gone with? Pochettino. <laughs> he has done. He's <laughs> gone with Mauricio Pochettino. I mean, to, at least he's consistent. I suppose. I think he's let his opinion, I'm going to slander him a bit here. <laughs> um, I think he's let his opinion sort of take precedent a little bit because I don't think yeah. I don't think Daniel Levy will be sacking him anytime soon. No, he won't. This is like me with Emery. Like, I think Emery should be sacked, but I don't think he will be. Yeah. The same thing. Like, I, I do um, – I am on the potch out train. Although things have looked a little – but, I, like, he's not going to get sacked. Yeah. Although, watch Josh be right. Watch Josh be right. Like, you probably don't want to watch Josh be right. You're right. I don't. Um, well, I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to make a last-minute change to my decision. I have decided to go with Kike Sanchez Flores at Watford. Really? Yeah. You think um, they're going to sack him this quick? I I do honestly. I think they go through managers so fast um, that I think they may well do. I think I was considering it. Um, like, as in the beginning, like, before I chose Marco Silva, but, yeah, I'm going to make a last-minute decision and go for Kike Sanchez-Flores at Watford. Um, Why did they say Kavi Grassi in the first place, anyway? I, well, I guess they're because they're winless. Yeah. yeah, I think... I, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> they got scared. Well, they, they are very... Uh, Watford's owners are very trigger-happy, unfortunately, for their managers. Um, and Kike... How fast, or how long did Kike Sanchez-Flores last the first time he was at Watford? Let's see. Kike Sanchez-Flores. Um, he was just the 15-16. He was given a season. Um, well, when was he sacked? Um, yeah, he was sacked at the end of the season. Um, so he was given one full season. Unfortunately for him, I don't think that will be the case this time. I think they'll be chopping and changing. I think... Let's see, who have Watford got upcoming? Um, they have got... Oh, we should mention there's uh, Carabao Cup fixtures this midweek. Um, we'll be taking a quick look at that. Southampton has Man City away twice. They do. And I think that could be... 
I mean, we have Liverpool away, so. Yeah, uh, we have. No one. I'm just gonna cry. Yeah. Do you know? I actually think Arsenal might do one. Um. I think no, Liverpool. No, no, no. I think well, Liverpool... only if they play their like children. Exactly. I think Liverpool are not going to be giving too much care to this competition. So, Aubin, do you, do you agree or do you think they'll take it seriously? Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to play a lot of youth players. Probably this could be actually player, a pretty fun game Harvey to watch. Elliott. Harvey, I they hope Harvey Elliott players in Joe Gomez and Abby Kate, so they might start. Um, I know Adrian probably will start because it's a cup game and he's a solid keeper, so. It could it could go either way, but I know we're not specifically we're not focused on this championship anymore. Mart- Martinelli hat trick incoming. Honestly, it's not out of the realms of possibility. <laughs> um, I I would not be displeased if Harvey Elliott suffered a career-ending injury. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that not seriously, but stay um, mad. Do what? Stay mad. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, the well, whole Harry, the Harry Kane situation. Uh, the video that was posted of him on Twitter calling Harry Kane a British slang for a um, specially or a special ed person. Um, oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, I won't repeat the word because it's a bit offensive. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not a word we use in in uh, the United States, but it's very offensive in in uh, the UK. So yeah, not a good one for from his perspective. But unfortunately for Watford, they've got Chelsea next. Um, and then after that, they've got Norwich, Burnley, and Southampton, which I think if they come out of that patch without a win, honestly, I think if they come out of Norwich without a win, I think Kike could be gone. <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah. So that's why I've gone for the decision. Although I definitely understand Marco Silva. I think if Spurs turn over Everton, Marco Silva could be out the door, potentially. Um, that's kind of what I think is going to happen. It'll be so. real. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to some predictions. Or not predictions, but some previews. All right. So the first game up is Bournemouth versus Manchester United. And um, this uh, this might actually be a good game because Manchester United are picking up the pace again and Bournemouth have looked somewhat decent in recent times. So I think it'll be an interesting game to watch. Yeah, I think United have shown that they've had some consistency in results. Um, but Bournemouth, I think, could be hungry to score since they haven't scored in two games, perhaps. Uh, so I think uh, I'm inclined to say United will probably take the win, but I don't know. I think it could be a more difficult result than uh, perhaps first glance would tell you. Um, yeah. I don't know. Does anyone else have any thoughts on this game on Bournemouth or United? I kind of think Man United are going to um, play pretty well in this game. I think the last game showed that what they've really been missing has been that link up with Martial and Rashford. Now that I think that's back and they also got some, some confidence going, I, I think they're going to play pretty well. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Amin, do you have any additional thoughts or... Uh... Not really. <laughs> I probably agree with what Reese just said. I think it'll be probably like a boring, I don't know what the prediction said, but probably a 1 0 win for United. Mm-hmm. It'll be relatively comfortable. Yeah, fair enough. Alrighty, so 
Next would be Arsenal at home to Wolves. Uh, I don't know if we're going to win, to be honest, but we, we need to win. So I think we can come away with a win in this one just because... Uh, I don't know. I think the drama might actually be good for the team in a way. I think the team is... I mean, I've already seen some responses from the players. Xhaka hasn't spoken up yet, but um, Bellerin, first first to break the, the social media silence. Um, Ceballos uh, making some comments. But uh, yeah, I really think the team is going to be angry after after what's been going on, and I think we can we can uh, have a competent performance in this game. Yeah, I think I didn't consider that dimension when I initially um, thought about this game. I think Wolves, with their pace up front and, um, yeah, pace up front, I think could prove to be a threat to Arsenal's defense. Um, I think I, is Bellerin is fit, right? Yeah, he's been uh, he played in the Europa League game. Okay. He's less fit than Tierney, but I think he'll probably play this uh, this match. I think starting him in this game is a must, because I think if he doesn't start, Adama Traore might have a field day. Um, so, yeah, I also think Bellerin should be captain. Just another note. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously that's from an outsider's perspective, and we're not in the dressing he room. Is, so he's one of our five captains. I thought Jaka was officially appointed. No. Um. Well. It's like we have our club captain, but there's there's a list of five captains for when Xhaka isn't playing. I think Aubameyang is vice-captain. Yeah, officially uh, he is, yeah, I think. And then Bellerin is maybe third? I don't remember. Ozil's on that list as well, isn't he? He is, yeah. This is a list voted by the players. So, hmm. obviously a disconnect from the players and the manager, and that's... Yeah. I'm going to see, Wikipedia usually lists out the captain and vice-captain, so I'm curious to see what it says, if anything, for, um, oh my. I'm pretty sure oh. it's Jacques and then Aubameyang. Oh, oh wow, they have the entire list. Um, oh. So, Granite Jacques is listed as captain, Aubameyang, you're right, listed as vice-captain, Bellerin listed as third captain, uh, Lacazette fifth, uh, fourth, and Ozil fifth. So, yeah, interestingly, no center-backs on that list, um. I think Rob Holding was next, but I mean, it's not a list yeah, of six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on. All right. Next on the list is Aston Villa versus Liverpool. Um, I'll comment just a couple things from the Liverpool perspective. Uh, we actually just got word today that Matip has faced a setback in his recovery from his knee injury. He'll be about he'll be out about six weeks. So. One of the things that might be interesting is to see which centre-back pairing Jurgen Klopp chooses, whether it's Van Dijk and Lovren or Van Dijk and Gomez. Uh, Lovren was not particularly great against Tottenham, and he hasn't been in, in the Champions League either. So that'll be interesting to see. And the second thing is we're facing a sort of predicament in the fact that Fabinho has uh, collected, I think, four yellow cards in the Premier League this season. And if he collects one against Aston Villa, should he play, he'll be suspended for Manchester City. So oh. it's whether or not what should we should start Fabinho or not is sort of that question that's being asked. Uh, if we don't, I expect to see either Henderson or Wijnaldum in the deep sixth position uh, with uh, one of the two, uh, either Henderson or Wijnaldum playing as a box-to-box. And 
one of navigating of the Chamberlain plane. So that'll be interesting to watch. I I don't really see Fabinho playing in this one, I think. Yeah, surely. With, uh, surely yeah, like, I think this is a game y'all can afford to drop him for. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it could be uh, a demolition derby, really. I think uh, Aston Villa had some serious defensive woes against City, and I think we could see similar uh, in this game. So. Uh, if, it, if you had to ask me, I'd say drop Fabinho. Um, even if we get a draw, that's okay, because last season at the Etihad, we didn't start Fabinho, and we lost so, and as soon as he came Fabinho on, Liverpool point. scored. Right. And I think he's he's undroppable at this point. Probably our most important player. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, I think that's some good analysis. I have really no more to add. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so City and Southampton, it get, goes from bad to worse from Southampton, it seems, um, when when they thought that wasn't possible. Uh, they've got City away twice in the span of uh, four days in the Cup and then obviously in the league. And I think this could be very, very ugly uh, for Southampton. I think we could be talking uh, upper echelons of numbers again, like mm, sort of five sixes, unfortunately for them. So Yeah, I don't, there's no, I don't think there's any hope for Southampton in this game. Um. Yeah, Man City are just on fire. Southampton are very not on fire. They're well, on fire on, in a completely different way. Maybe the fire. dumpster fire. Yeah. I think Raheem Sterling will have a field day in this game. And De Bruyne will be... De Bruyne and everybody will just... Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a, a, a scrimmage for City, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think... Southampton probably will show some semblance of fight back after the 9-0 embarrassment, but really, I mean, there there's very little hope. I mean, to be fair, it wouldn't be unlike this season for them to go and beat City. <laughs> really. Uh, this season has thrown up some very bizarre results. I mean, no one expected Dallas to beat City. So yeah, exactly. Or Wolves. Well, right, City haven't even lost to a top six side, but they've lost to two, well, I mean, bottom five teams. Are Wolves bottom five currently? They were at the time. I know that for sure. Um, do do do. Looking as fast as I can. They're not. They're oh, they're twelfth. Right behind Spurs. Nice. <laughs> Every time I look at this league table, I'm just discouraged. Um, we are eight points off of the top four. I'm going okay, to stop right watching football. I think we're we're not eight points, but we're definitely around there. You're four points made. <laughs> You're in fifth. Or what? Y'all are four points off in fifth, which is uh, not not awful. I thought it was worse. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's all. All right, moving on before Gage <laughs> gets too depressed. Um, Watford, Chelsea. Uh, I think this is another one just like in the City game, maybe not quite to the extent, but I think Chelsea are going to really have fun in this game and just uh, show what Lampard's um, tactics are all about, play really uh, free-flowing attacking. Uh, Watford might grab a couple because there have been some defensive worries. 
not because their defenders have been playing bad, just the way the tactics shape up, it's definitely more reliant on the attack. At least I'm a little exposed, but yeah, I don't think there's really any worry for Chelsea. In the and the defenders are a bit inexperienced as well. Some of the game management is not quite um, to the level that you would expect from a more experienced player, but yeah, I think I totally agree. I think there's very little hope for Watford. And I'm assuming everyone else is probably on the same page. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. So, moving forward to another slap derby. It's here. Yeah, I guess Palace have them all at once. But, um, you know, Palace play Leicester. And um, I'm afraid because Leicester have looked really well recently, coming off of the back of a 9-0 win. But um, I keep holding on to that Leicester beating the crap out of – or Palace beating the crap out of Leicester all the time. Because they haven't beaten us since 2016, so but it'll, I bet it'll be broken by then. They'll yeah, I, I definitely see this one being broken, but I don't think it'll be uh, anything uh, embarrassing. I think it'll be a good. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for at least. I'm actually on the side of Palace in this game. I feel um, just because they've been a bit of a bogey team for Leicester, as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I feel that Leicester's run is mildly unsustainable um i am a bit concerned for them uh if they were if they get a couple of injuries to key players they could be in big trouble um well not big trouble but they could be in trouble as far as their top four aspirations are concerned vardy and soyuncu in particular i think uh are rather irreplaceable in that team so yeah i think i'm gonna take just an edge a palace win um but perhaps that's a bold prediction I mean, this could be one of those fixtures where the the history prevails. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like form is thrown out the window and it's just what happens. I don't don't think it's too bold of a prediction. I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Amin, what are you you thinking on this game? Uh, I honestly think that Leicester's recent form is not, you know, it didn't come out of thin air, so... I actually give them a slight edge. I know Selhurst is always a tricky place to play, but I think their confidence coming off of a 9-0 victory will carry them to the victory here as well. Yeah. It's also worth pointing out that this is a top six clash. (laughs) (laughs) Way. Third versus sixth. Um, So very nice for those two clubs to see. The uh, overachievers uh, derby. Yep. And uh, moving on to a relegation six-pointer. Yet again, involving Tottenham um, and Everton, who are both at risk of getting relegated. Um, <laughs> Spurs are terrible, and Everton are terrible. And that's basically my analysis of this game. It's basically just going to... Whoever's Whoever wins this game is going to be whoever's less terrible on the day. Um, and my gut is telling me that that's going to be Spurs, but honestly, I would not be surprised to see Everton go and turn us over. So... I actually have a pretty optimistic outlook on this game in terms of a Spurs perspective. Um, I think this could be a huge confidence booster, especially with how well y'all have performed against Everton uh, recently. Um, yeah, I, I really... And I think y'all had some positives from the Liverpool game. Uh, Gazaniga, a huge positive. But I, I think any other day, Sun would have finished that, and it's a completely different game. So I, I think this will be... A pretty good performance from Spurs. Boy, I hope you're right. 
Um, <laughs> interestingly, we have to go to Merseyside two weekends in a row. Uh, not that that means literally anything, but it's just worth pointing out, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think if we play that formation again, I think we have a good chance. Uh, my biggest positive from this game is that Danny Rose is suspended. So Pochettino <laughs> couldn't start him even if he wanted to. Um, which seems to be the only way to get him out of the team at the moment, which is bizarre because he's the worst player on the pitch every time he plays, and Pochettino continues to start him. Um, that just means that like Sanchez is going to play left back or something. I th- surely Davis will play. I don't know what else Davis has to do to get in the team. Or Sessegnon. <laughs> I, it'll probably be Sessegnon just because Ben Davis can't get a start to save his life. Um, but I would rather it be Sessegnon. As much of a Davis proponent as I am, I think Sessegnon probably should start. But, yeah, I think this maybe is going to be a case of Everton just being trash and Spurs hopefully being a little bit less trash. If Christian Eriksen starts, I'm throwing the club in the bin. Um, Theo Walcott hat-trick incoming. I would not be surprised. He's scored every time he's played against us, I think. What? I'm in, sorry. Danny Welbeck hat trick just to rub salt in. Danny Welbeck. <laughs> <laughs> he will be. He's, oh, yeah, he's the one at Everton. <laughs> Welbeck's at Watford. What did Welbeck? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he will be. Welbeck was injured in the like first minute when he played against them. Yeah. Uh, I'm sensing a, a, a Walcott hat trick, all three assisted by a Wobie. Yes. That's what I'm sensing. Um, and then I'm, yeah, uh, just thinking thinking about playing Theo Walcott makes me nauseous because he scores against us every game and he's a twat. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, don't know. I think it'll be pretty comfortable for Spurs, honestly. I wouldn't be too harsh on their performance from Liverpool. Because they did, they did have some really bright spots. Um, balls up at the top and uh, exploiting spaces in the middle. So, I mean, I'm looking at Everton's form. They're just absolutely dreadful. Like, one win and four. Four played. The rest of them losses. So, I, I'd be I'd be optimistic from this first perspective. Uh, you forget that my spirit has long been crushed. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um but yeah, hopefully you guys are right. Um, I, I did predict a Spurs win in this game, uh, but only slightly. I think Everton will cause us trouble, as they usually do. Um, yeah, I'm just... I, I'm i so tired of losing. <laughs> Bro, me too. The last game, the last game that I saw us win uh, was the Southampton game over a month ago. Because uh, I was in class during the Red Star game, and also it wasn't um, televised. So, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen us win a game in over a month, and it's a miserable feeling. So, I think that is just about us done, unless anybody else has any news or notes they would like to discuss. In no. fact, I have a bit of news I would like to discuss. Uh, they have released the provisional Premier League schedule for the 2021-22 season. Uh, obviously, which will be impacted by the Winter World Cup. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Uh, but I haven't. So, the Winter World Cup is scheduled to take place from November 21st uh, to December 18th, I believe it is. Uh, which will be interesting. Christmas time uh, World Cup final. Which, as much garbage as we give this World Cup, we'll actually get to watch it when we don't have class. Uh, which is yeah. nice. Um, so I would rather it be in the summer when we don't have class, but still. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the Premier League, this could be an injury-filled season, I think, because the Premier League is going up until November 13th, uh, which gives the players five days to get to the World Cup. <laughs> um, oh, and then the Premier League resumes on Boxing Day, which gives the players eight days to... Rec- well, I mean, I suppose the finalists and third-place uh, match-ers. <laughs> um <laughs> It gives them eight and nine days to recover and travel back, respectively. So I think we could be seeing a lot of reserve teams playing in the on Boxing Day in that season, um, and also in the game before the World Cup. So, as exciting as World Cup teams are, or World Cups are, this one is poorly positioned, I think. And uh, we really did see something special in the 2018 World Cup. Um, it'll be the last one. The last normal World Cup, I feel. I guess 2026 is expanding to 48 teams. That was also just a fun time for us because, uh, I mean, y'all y'all were basically over at my house every day, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was sort of our last uh, – well, no, it wasn't our last summer together, but it was our – well, that sounds so sad. We'll have every summer together. Um, <laughs> but it was our, like, I don't know, like penultimate summer, I guess. Yeah. It was fun. Um. I watched all but one game of that World Cup. Heartbreak. I think I watched all of them but two. Heartbroken yes. to have missed the uh, the third place game due to the ACT. Um, hmm. uh, but, yeah. I think I missed two of the like 6 a.m. group stage games. I see. I woke oh, yeah. up at 5 to watch the France-Australia game. I remember that distinctly. Um, I watched uh, England and uh, I forgot who else was in their group, but they beat them like 6-something. Uh, Panama. I- yeah, I immediately went to sleep at halftime. <laughs> yep. All right, I think that is officially us done, now that I don't have any other ramblings to uh, interject. Obman, thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, Reese and Ethan, as always, the ever-faithful, the wives of the podcast, as it were. Yes. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you could marry each other. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this has taken a strange turn. So we're going to end it here. Goodbye. <laughs>